Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Mangum Reads. We have gone through our individual play-by-play -play recap and opinions on our five nominees for the Agatha Awards. And having finished that, we like to do a recap episode where we can discuss where each of these ranks in our own personal views, discuss what our overall opinion of the compilation was, and at times compare each of the stories to an article of food. Sometimes at random, sometimes, you know, thought out in advance. Um... Should have asked this in advance, but Sarah, do you have a drink pairing for this? I, I am actively drinking coffee for this because I wanted to stay sharp. Perfect. But please, please know that I was considering a Bloody Mary, but none of these were suitably <laughs> mysterious enough for me to justify actually drinking one. All right. In, I, think, I think coffee or a Bloody Mary are the perfect ones to get through this. We'll save in terms of excessive intro just because ultimately I think we all found the Agatha Award short story nominees this year to be rather disappointing, not only individually, but just as a compilation. So let's really just get into it. Everyone, for our fifth story, for our fifth ranked story, the lowest rated story, what would y'all put in that, in, that, in that spot? BJ, how about you um, I th Why don't we go with what's listed in order? Um, starting, I guess, like, I guess I'll start from the bottom and go up starting with Better Days okay, um, by Art Taylor. Um, and then we'll end with the winner that I don't understand um, and go from there. Spoiler, yeah. Uh, um, so do you want to start us off on start us off on Better Days, BJ? Uh, sure. Um, I'm trying to remember Better Days. <laughs> I can start us off on Better um, so Days. So better, better Days was the... Um, the the restauurateur one yes no better days was the one in the outer banks oh the that's right sorry yeah yeah mm -hmm. um, and so we had uh, a Florida playboy basically come up to the outer banks um, and a writer stand-in hanging out at a bar hitting on a waitress uh, sort of observes this dude with all his swagger come in and hit on the waitress and he's unhappy about that um, he has a strained relationship with his father that yeah. leads to understanding that said Florida playboy did in fact ac ac accidentally-ish yeah. kill his own father. Um, something having to do with nails in uh, walls, um, yes. but unclear. <laughs> um, which all sorts of things were... I think this was sort of one of our favorite stories uh just in general because there was that cozy mystery feel which all of these were sort of supposed to be yeah um but the serious downside i feel like in all of our minds was it just progressed too quickly through everything and it shouldn't have been a short story or it should have been more focused yeah i mean the this was the one where for me like the setting and the characters I like really liked and appreciated, and I actually thought they were pretty well done. But and to your point, we're kind of like in that cozy mystery vibe. We had a a not professional detective in like a small town with quirky people around him doing investigations. Um, but the mystery itself was really lacking. Yeah, um, and I think before we we go too far into this, we should just say that's a thing for all of these. Um, so we're just thing really fell by the wayside in all of these frequently the mystery. Yeah. Um, basically, there was no mystery in any of them. Uh, so we're not going to harp on it all too much. Speak um, for yourself. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to harp on it all too much because okay. it can be said for all of them and that sort of it. 
Sure. Um, although there are varying degrees to which some of them attempted to engage in mysteries or not. Um, but this had at least the noddings toward a mystery that the others didn't. There was, mm-hmm. we didn't know who what happened. There was a conversation about it. They figured it out. And then mm-hmm. the author didn't get any tale yet. Yes. I don't, yeah. I Like, of the stories, this might be my my top it's certainly one of my top two so we'll we'll go through ranking at the end once we sort of cover uh each one of them i guess um so the next one in reverse order for whatever reason they chose this order is blue ribbon this was um sad pies that ended up with people dying um sad pies and inexplicable murder is the tagline for this one but there was no murder inexplicable attempted murder right um there was a death there were pies um we got a little bit of a relationship fleshing out but not enough to give it a blue ribbon i'm not sure it would even place um it was a contender maybe or it entered the race i don't know why but it did this one was just so it was over before i even knew that it had started yeah I mean, this was the, like, just lengthwise, this was the shortest story we read, right? Yeah, I think it was seven, eight pages. I mean, they were all, or many of them were very short. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Chris for the Mill was also very short. Um, It was a thing. It was fine. Like, it it, it very much had that small town cozy feel. Um, So I guess the cozy part of the mystery got checked, and that was about it. Yeah, but this one also didn't, like, if we're even thinking about it in comparison with what we just said about Better Days, Mm -hmm. I didn't care about the characters in this one. So, like, while while the setting felt right and was kind of, like, comforting in that way, Mm -hmm. these characters were so unbelievable to me that I found it difficult to even, like, find an entryway into this story. Yep. Um, Next, we had Alex's Choice. Uh, which was in Crime Travel, a yes. uh, anthology dedicated to time travel crime. Um, Wait, was it all? Was it all actually specifically time travel? I think I don't know if it was time travel or at least had a sci-fi bent. I did not read more stories in Crime <laughs> Travel. If Alex's choice was the best one, um, <laughs> I-, I need significantly more. I don't know what to do with myself downtime yeah. uh, to to really go into it. Um, but I think I was the one that liked it the most out of the three of us, where we had a child go back in time and try and kill her dog to save her parents, or a child go back in time to kill the child's dog to get their parents back because Alex was distinctly uh ambiguous, except for all of the things that Alex did pointed to the fact that Alex is a girl. Yes. Um, There was no... hmm, Also no mystery in the story, except for where this time-traveling bicycle came from, uh, which was never at any point questioned in the world. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I was feeling more generous to this story after our discussion when (laughs) it was explained that this might, in fact, be meant for children. But then I looked at the list of Agatha Award nominees for other genres again and realized that there is, in fact, 
a list of children's short stories or just children's stories. I don't remember which it is. And then I was annoyed at the story again. So that was a short-lived reprieve for Alex's choice. Yeah, I mean, but still, like, if you can take a story and have an audience that's reasonable, I feel like it it does help it some. It it does. This is just... It, Again, it does... we had pieces of things that I was looking for. Like, the setting was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I was, the, I mean, I there was, was out on the time travel. <laughs> like, But also, like, there's nothing about a mystery here unless, you know, the mystery itself is sort of uh, a time travel thing. So, I don't know. Uh, it does tick the cozy box. It doesn't tick the mystery box or really anything to do with mystery um it is in the crime travel uh group of stories which i believe is all time travel related vaguely to do with a crime that this didn't even have a crime this didn't have a crime which is like perhaps that is the crime about this story i am <laughs> and the mystery. deeply upset by and the mystery uh, yes uh, 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 oh the story is just meta we just didn't know it at the moment are you suggesting that the ocean is not capable of murder uh, that is a, a level of anthropomorphism that I was not prepared to question today. I mean, this brings to uh, mind an Adam West quote from uh, Family Guy, but that or actions, but that's sort of it. Um, yeah, I mean, as a time travel, somebody recently watched Butterfly Effect short story. Why? It's fine. Like, I didn't really mind it. Um, and as we sort of discussed, I'm insane. And when I don't like prose or I don't hate prose, but I don't like prose, I just sort of fill it in with things that it, that it should have in my decision tree. Um, this is actually like over the course of doing these podcasts with you, BJ, I've learned many, uh, strange and disturbing things. This is the one that is the most flabbergasting. <laughs> I, I think it's not like major things, um, and and I think that there's a reason that like that it happens in terms of like it doesn't like I don't do it when I'm reading slowly, but when I'm reading quickly mm-hmm. or reading out loud, and particularly when I'm reading out loud and like I've read ahead, and so like the the start of the sentence is no longer like what I'm reading in my head. And so sometimes like I'll miss something or whatever, and then I'll have to like make the sentence work. So I accept that you are giving an explanation, BJ. I understand that it doesn't make sense to you. It makes sense to me. It's fine. Okay. I find it even more amusing because BJ, your entire segment on our sister podcast, you know, pottering around is dedicated to being annoyed at bad writing. Right. But it's centered around the fact that, that I am reading and not skimming or, or any other thing that I might do with something that I'm not engaged with. So there's actually a threshold of writing, perhaps underneath which it is, or over which it is bad enough that you are actively rewriting it and therefore don't register it as bad. Yes. And so, right. so, so there, so... Uh, Handmaiden's Tale was like it, it didn't exceed a like I hated the prose and and you were not at the point at which you were rewriting it I couldn't re I couldn't rewrite everything you were rewriting it like it, it, okay. it was there weren't pro- like problems that I could fill in gaps there was just like I there's nothing about this that I like 
um, in Alex's choice, there were just like problems and I could fill it in. Like again, so I read the first two Harry Potter books a long, long time ago um, in a university that's not that far away. And like, I just, I tore through them. And so like, and, and as we've mentioned previously, like you didn't notice the uh, horrendous ellipsis use as you've read them. And I have never called it horrendous. That is a you problem, my friend. You have never <laughs> noticed the overuse of ellipsis. There we um, go. Before. And so, so I, I think this is, I am not unique in this when you are reading quickly enough and going through something, there are aspects that don't, don't become egregious that you just filter out. I am only pressing you so much on this BJ because I am actually impressed that you were able to do anything with this story besides shake your head at the time travel, as was my experience of reading this story. And that's fair. I think, I guess I'm more used to time travel stories and even short stories. Um, And as we mentioned in the pod that we recorded about Alice's Choice, I could not find that uh, short story and maybe when I get the rest of my books delivered uh, or never, um, <laughs> then then I might be able to find it again. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think sort of in that um, genre of shorts, like sci-fi short story, this wasn't a good outing in it, but it wasn't the worst. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a person who's perfectly willing that if I'm not enjoying a story, I'll just stop it. Doesn't matter how long it is. Doesn't matter where I am. I'll just stop and not continue on with it. If and I'm very glad that I had you guys to talk with to motivate me to finish this, because <laughs> this story was for me borderline insufferable. It I and it was almost entirely the writing style. I read a lot of time travel time travel fiction. I love. I, I enjoyed the subgenre of science fiction that that is. That it was almost entirely just how this author went about presenting the story that I just could not force my way. It, it was a chore at every stage to get through it. I was having t- some, sometimes just difficulty even focusing on the page because my eyes were rolling away from it at such an aggressive degree. I did not like this story. Tell me how you really feel, Spencer. I am getting that. <laughs> um, we're getting so, intense psychological dives from this story. We're getting a Sophie's Choice rather than Alex's Choice expression of this tale. Um, and so I think... I think one of the other issues that we've sort of had and sort of a quick recap, basically we have a child that goes back to kill that child's dog and rescue that child's parents by the mechanism of an ET bike. Um, And the author made a horrible choice to gender neuter the character who's very clearly a girl. Um, and then basically she and her grandfather have a wink wink nudge nudge uh like i know what happened and thank you for bringing your parents back to life yep fine done recaps over next story we'll do we'll dress um, more than okay. the rankings yeah so i don't know it was it was a thing um let's move on to gris for the so mill the- Yes, Gris for the um, Mill was the fourth one. This one, for me, this is our beekeeping story that we have done most recently. Uh, this was a B- minus for me. <laughs> this was a perfectly solid story. Uh, it, it, te- it was a, a mystery, com- though. Again. It, it, it was setting up a mystery. So many of these are parts of mysteries, kind of like we discussed. This is mm-hmm. probably the most yeah. complete in terms of at least setting it up. Well, uh, and I actually wonder a little bit 
And BJ, I, I want to get back to your point because I, God knows what's going to come out of your mouth when you say, well, with that tone of voice. Um, but I think as we have read these stories, although I was not like entirely happy with any of them, I do think that I learned a little bit more to that part of this genre, or at least how it is presenting here, as a short story of a cozy mystery is that sometimes you're just going to get part of what you would normally think of as a mystery. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, there were at least deaths here. Right. There was, there was at least a mystery for the audience for how things would go down. Yes. Uh, um, which, you know, it did not have the investigative process that you would, that I would normally want from one of these stories, but. Right. But in, in terms of a recap, this is meant for a recap and we can discuss reviews when we're writing. Yes. Recap, we have two neighbors, one of whom is a beekeeper, one of whom decidedly is not due to an intense bee allergy. They get into a neighborhood tiff on the subject of his bees potentially going into her yard and the health of his bees as a result of her efforts to stop them from doing so. It spirals away into a multiple homicide as they both decide to end this problem to their lives by ending each other. At a church picnic, which I love. Indeed. The the best thing to come from this story is that a grist of bees uh, seems to have been a writer in the 1800s uh was it robert louis stevenson um i don't i honestly don't remember bj i don't remember um anyway basically was talking about bees around a mill and it sort of came and uh the grist would attach to the bees or something and that's like the reference that people come up with um and that's insane to me that that somebody chose something that is so esoteric um as the oh it makes perfect sense and everybody knows this expression however what came from this is one of my favorite group names for a bird um which is a plump of woodcocks <laughs> i haven't ever heard that one before. um and that that is my favorite thing that doesn't exist in this story but my favorite thing about the story okay and also noted. And our, fi- our, our final story um, for the what, recap. What I was going to say is I think the Better Days um, as a mystery sort of is better set up as a mystery, it, but not better set up for the mystery story that would be trying to detective and, and understand what was going on in Christopher the Myth. We will get, we mm-hmm. will get there in greater detail in the yeah. ratings. I, th- I do think Christopher the Myth is, is just a better setup. Well... Um, sorry, can you, can, can you guys um, still hear me? Okay, so our last one. Uh, yeah, can, the last word. You guys, you guys can't hear me anymore, can you? Uh, we got you back. I can hear you. Welcome. Oh, yeah, lost yes. me for a second. Okay. <laughs> the last yes. word. Or did you uh, want to discuss more about a, um, a no, I was, plump of wood? No, nah, I was trying to speed the, speed the recaps along, honestly. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> last word. Uh, we have a very much a food-centric battle on the subject of a restaurant review for a restaurant owner of a two-star Michelin restaurant has received a poor review from what would be carefully called an old friend. He brings him to dinner to recreate the meal to confront him over the issue of this. They go into past crimes that have been overlooked for the sake of necessity and friendship and their own advancement that now can no longer be forgiven. The meal is completed, the bias of the friend is confirmed, the poison is administered, and a last performance completed in illustrious artistic fashion. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> so to me, this one was sort of the sort of the best story because it didn't it like it it had a narrow enough scope 
but it was just a really boring story. Like it, it wasn't particularly good. It wasn't f- flashed. The characters weren't fl- like nothing was fleshed out enough. Well, BJ, I'm going to ask you to save this for when we do the ratings because right now, let's, let's, let's get there when, when we do them. Okay. Okay. So. All right. Let, let, let's let's start with our ratings. Let's start with number five. What BJ? What was your worst story of this collection? That that. If you, if you need a second, Sarah, tough. do you have one more in mind? It is it is literally what we're doing here. I, I, I know it's literally what we're doing. I'm just saying it, it's tough because you know it's uh, uh, you know I'm spoiled for choice, um, but I think I would say blue ribbon mm-hmm. um, because like I guess there was a nod to cozy, but I just didn't get anything, and I I read it twice, and that was probably you know why it's the bottom, and the more I read any of these like the lower they're gonna be um but i just i felt like there was nothing and there was just like there was death and that's it it's like okay yeah all right i yeah i think i would put it's it's tough for me too i have two that i like distinctly disliked from this this collection of stories um i think that for similar reasons to what you've articulated bj um blue ribbon is at the bottom for me as well simply because it was so short there wasn't even time there wasn't time for it to develop anything that i connected with um and the i get particularly annoyed when things are in these stories are just like talked out (laughs) at the end in ways that feel entirely unnatural um so i think it's i think it's blue ribbon for me as well Uh, for me it is alex's choice just (laughs) far Mm -hmm. and away yeah Blue Ribbon, um, uh, Blue Ribbon's going to come at number four for me, but Blue Ribbon at least, particularly for the first pages, was at least, I thought, well-written. It, it had at least potential. It was setting up what was going to potentially be an interesting story and then just stopped a third yeah. of the way through it. Yeah. Ow. I do forget about those first couple of pages. We're actually, like, not... They, they, they were, there was some... Cl- they had something There were some there. clever descriptions. There was an excellent setting up to a relationship that was building about how it was originally even portrayed in a few pages was not accurate. So you started to get more and more information about how she actually is really holding a grudge. Mm-hmm. But then it just never goes in that direction. So yeah. I will at least give that potential enough of credit to make it into fourth place, whereas as Alex's choice, I knew a page going in, I was not going to like it. <laughs> I think... It, go ahead. It, 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 it was very frustratingly written. The story enough is, if you want to view it as being like a child, children's bedtime story, is functional enough in that regard. But you still have to be able to present that in a way that I find appetizing. And this just, it never really did. I mean, it, yeah. to, to compare it to a food group, I described it as being a poorly, and poorly if not undercooked squash casserole. <laughs> squash casserole is already be rough for me anyway. It is just cloyingly sweet and optically enjoyable. But if you're already making it bad, you're just adding to the unpleasantness. Is this Alex's choice? That is Alex's choice for me, yes. Just a okay. jumbled mishmash of unsuccessful things. Um, well, I guess I, I was thinking if we did food, we'd do them sort of all at the same time. Um, okay, we can do and, it at the end. Uh, well, no, I mean, we can just do Alex's choice followed by Blue Ribbon. Um, cause okay, Al- yeah, because bl- I will, I will, Blue Ribbon is my, or I'm sorry, Alex's choice is my number four. Yeah. That was what Blue Ribbon was sort of tied four with me um yeah i don't know where i'd rank alex's choice i i think like actually reading it as would have been pretty terrible um so i'm perfectly (laughs) happy to do it with four but um the story behind it is fine it's just the story is written it's not okay you're saying that if you had a chance to rewrite this or you know to tell it to a child someday you'd do it great 
As is, it's useless. Yes. Um, so, so for me, Alex's choice... Um, I mean, this is a toughie because, like, I like the the idea of it, but it just falls flat, and so, and I hate it. So this, to me, is a, um, like, a creme brulee that, that doesn't have any other information on it, but when you get it, um, it's chocolate creme brulee somehow. <laughs> like, you know, they've just decided to do that because that's, like, their interpretation, mm-hmm. and... Um, the the top instead of being a delightfully caramelized bit of sugar um is like Werther's originals like they understood like some (laughs) of the concept behind it and Mm -hmm. then did something awful (laughs) fine enough okay um alex's choice for me is a broken hollandaise sauce that can be bad yeah like there there are doesn't have the things it's the, the meat underneath it. It's missing all of that. No, it's just the it's just the <laughs> sauce on a plate. <laughs> it is just the broken sauce. Well, why would you put it on a plate if you broke it while you were making <laughs> it? has some things that theoretically could have been fine in the world, but it is um, consistently overworked and not done at the correct temperature. So wow. it's going to get a pass from me, guys. Well, well for, for, as I said, for Blue Ribbon, I actually liked the first couple pages of Blue Ribbon. I thought it had mm-hmm. a lot of potential. I thought it could have really gone in the direction of a truly excellent story in terms of going into their relationship. But then it never does. Like you said, Sarah, it just kind of talks at you for the rest of the story in terms of just going into the relationship and how it actually plays out. And the ending is completely, mm-hmm. absolutely lackluster. It just mm-hmm. ends. Literally, a character just trips and dies. It's, 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 like the, it's, like the, it's like the dungeon master in a game of D&D just saying, okay, rocks fall, everybody dies, go home. <laughs> It is, like, particularly lazy. Yeah. yeah. So, for, for me, I described it as the facade of a good pie. Fitting for the story. It's like, it, this is a pie where I looked at this and said, oh, man, that crust is perfectly cooked. And, you know, the top layer of the crust is actually good. And then there's, like, no filling, and they somehow burned the bottom of the crust. Fair. Uh, Sarah? I, I mean, it feels like it has to be some sort of pie metaphor. I was actually thinking just, like, of... A slightly different dessert, I would, and I can't remember. I don't know what they're actually called, but what are those like a chocolate, those thin chocolate balls that you put over some other dessert, and you're supposed to pour hot chocolate oh, on do- it? Oh, uh, yeah, so it's that a chocolate it dome or something. Yeah, this is like a chocolate dome, but there's nothing, <laughs> nothing underneath. Just actually, the dome. Both of, both of my oh, metaphors man. at this point have been incomplete. Things without the things underneath mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, but this one is needs to be, I think, dessert related. And so it is going to be one of those chocolate domes yeah. that just doesn't, it reveals to an empty plate. Spencer, are you saying that it has to be pie? Like I was thinking pie initially and then I was going to go with something else. Um, but then I will combine the two. Um, because Ooh. what I was going to say is it's uh, like vanilla ice cream that uh, melted and then froze. So it's crystal, like it's water crystals in there. Oh, and so yeah. like you have the hint of like that it's going to be fine and then it's terrible. Mm, 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 mm. Um, that's a good call good that's a very good call so what i will put together is somebody says i have homemade pie a la mode and they got (laughs) a store-bought apple pie that's terrible and then put crystallized vanilla ice cream on it and are they're calling it homemade and it's just like the idea of it is like oh this will be great and then it's but if you serve pie a la mode, the pie has to be hot. It can't just be like mm-hmm. cut from from a cold pie that you just 
bought out. No. Okay. Nothing about this is right. <laughs> well, I, I think we were all kind of in agreement on four and five. Do we have any disagreement on three? Uh, Sarah, what would be your uh, number three in our rankings? I feel like this is probably where we're going to start diverging mm-hmm. a little bit. Number three for me is the last word. Um, I actually, I did find it like not, I, I didn't hate this story, um, but it does fall into that category of like, people are just literally talking about what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I find deeply annoying in this setting. Um, I also didn't really, when these characters are talking about what they did, particularly in relation to, and I've forgotten what her name is, but in relation to the woman who was kind of at the crux of all of yeah. this, they just sound so unbelievable to me. Um, I think when we when we did the episode about this story, we were more interested in the people who were stopping to look in the window to find the restaurant <laughs> closed <laughs> than we were in the actual characters of the story. And I, I certainly stand by that assessment. Yeah. Um, so while there are things about this that are like well written and some of it is kind of interesting, it, it just didn't do a whole lot for me. And, and do you have a dish in mind in terms of comparing it to it? Um, you know, this is another one of those that is obviously in the food collection, so it does it does seem to. Um, the the less individual dish focused is probably the blue ribbon was. Yes, and and in fact that is why it is kind of bringing an experience to me. For me, this is sort of a, especially because we do get all of these like very fancy, delicious sounding dis- dishes listed off in the course of this meal as we are reading mm-hmm. it. Um, this is instead what I w- was promised was going to be a four course meal with wine pairings and is in fact a Golden Corral buffet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, BJ, your th- uh, what, was, what, what would be your number three? Um... Like, I'm, I'm waffling a lot because um, Better Days annoyed me because, like, I wanted it to be better. <laughs> but in some way, like, in many ways, I think it is the best story. And mm-hmm. so, like, I either wanted to put it here at three or at number one. And so I'll put it at number one and mm. say the la- last word is, is three for me. Um, okay. Just because, like, my frustration with a story shouldn't completely dictate where it is even that like compared to like how i actually read it um so like there are parts of the last word that i really enjoyed some of the like discussion exposition is very uh like murder tv show thing that that like i do enjoy Mm -hmm. um but it just didn't read right for the only thing as opposed to like a flashback yeah that makes Um, sense and you know again as we discussed like the it didn't come out as well. And so for me, um, this is like eating at the quote unquote fancy Italian restaurant and, <laughs> you know, getting their famous pasta dish, which just ends up being a heavy cream sauce. Um, and it doesn't matter like anything else that's in there because what you get is a heavy cream sauce and their appetizer also has, you know, a heavy butter sauce. And then the dessert <laughs> is... Uh, like a cannoli, but most of it is just, you know, a lot of cream, whipped cream, essentially. And so all you get from it is there was a lot of fluff and it was overladen, in fact. Okay. Um, uh, Spencer, number three for you. For the sake of difference, Better Days is for, my, is for me my number three. Okay. Uh, it is perfectly fine, but that's all it is. It's 
for me, completely unmemorable. Uh, the mystery element feels so rammed into it of what is ultimately a relationship story that is okay, but is a ranking in terms of our mysteries. It is such a just crammed on the end just to make it almost feel... It's almost like he was like, oh, I've written a relationship story, but how do I get it to be considered for the uh, nominees for Mystery Awards? I'll know. I'll <laughs> add this in at the end. Yeah. Our main character doesn't even solve it. His dad just kind of swoops in and off-screen solves it, and we never even really get to see any resolution. Even the confrontation doesn't even happen. And so I ultimately find it unsatisfying as a story, even if, even though I find it okay. Um, cause the relationship aspect of it I thought was actually kind of decent in terms of setting up where the characters are, why they're there. They even spent a little bit of time in terms of getting there with And some of the interactions between the characters, though insufferable, are pretty real. Um, so for me, I considered it a like ordering a chicken melonese from a takeout restaurant. Like, it only does takeout. It's in the, it is the dish I like. It's pretty dry, though. There's not enough sides. <laughs> uh, the presentation is kind of lackluster and... Much of what I would actually like about the dish just feels kind of tacked on, but it's still a dish I like, and I'm still probably I still might get it again, just probably not from there. So, what's your food for the last word? Uh, I, last word for me is gonna be my number two, but I, I can go into it now if you like. I mean, just because like I was trying to do the food all together, so we have okay. like some similarities between us rather than. Sure. I mean, last word for me is number two. I actually kind of liked it just because of what it's so stubbornly what it is. Of mm-hmm. where it is a one-act play. It is meant to very much be a a very much slice of a longer story. Mm-hmm. Of where we're skipping the intro, we're skipping the ending. This is just essentially almost like the climax of the tale. Like I think we described this as being the aha moment of when the investigator reveals what happened, and we mm-hmm. go to a flashback to show it happening. Yeah. In in that regard, it is pretty successful. If, that, that's all it wants to be. Um, the interaction between the characters are interesting. The descriptions of the food are at times, at times practically savoring. Um, the setup and the ambiance work for me. I think the biggest failing is just because it, it isn't what I wanted, which I don't necessarily know how much I can hold against the story. <laughs> uh, so I described it as being... Um, I think I've talked about this before. I like to go, every now and then go into a restaurant. You guys have even seen me do it. Where I'll just ask the waiter, hey, well, what's, what's your favorite thing in this category? What's, mm-hmm. your, what's your favorite? I'll just take whatever mm-hmm. that is, sight unseen. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like going to a nice restaurant um, and seeing a long dessert menu and just turning to the waiter and say, hey, what, what, what's your favorite? Sure, I'll take that. And they bring me like this, this utterly sumptuous dessert menu. They bring me a well-prepared fruit tart. I never would have ordered that. I'm honestly a little bit disappointed that this is what you brought me. But I can't hold it that much against you because it is still a well-prepared fruit tart. It's not That's what weird. I wanted. It's tiny. It's uh, it, it, it's not even a substantial dessert. <laughs> Um, but, you know, this explains fruit tarts. so much in our differing food consumptions. One of my favorite, like, sort of Parisian patissier like things is a fruit tart. I know. I've actually pointedly did this because I knew you would like it more. <laughs> um, uh, perfect. Some of the things were, it it is a solid fruit tart, and it's I appreciate Subway doing an an interesting taste outside of my normal palate range. I still didn't particularly <laughs> like it. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to judge it too harshly just because it still is confidently and good at what it wants to be. So since you have already done Better Days as your number three, mm-hmm. Better Days is number two for me. So should we go yep, let's there? Yeah, that. I mean, that's about where it is for me too. Okay. Um, yeah, Better Days, like I, it was, I actually liked it. I, 
you know, exactly to your point, Spencer, set aside the fact that there is this jammed in mystery that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I was like legitimately interested in these characters, Mm -hmm. which this is the, as we have gone up our list, this is the first story I can say that about, Mm -hmm, um, which I think is actually why it is at, is, is specifically why it's at number two for me. It's like, you know, it does feel a little incomplete. The mystery is not great. The solving of the mystery is not great. But I did like our I did like our main characters, and I was like interested to know more about them and actually see them interact with each other because they did interact with each other in ways that like tracked to real people in the mm-hmm. world, would... and that was kind of the nice. Thing... Go ahead. This is probably the only absolutely complete story we get. Yeah. It is a complete it, story. Uh, it is it is uneven, but it is a complete so this story. Is... Some of my favorite moments are happening off camera of what mm-hmm. could be an even more complete story. But the story itself go, has a beginning and an end and a complete package in a way I don't think maybe any of the other ones really do. No. This feels like it was a novella that then got shortened to a short story by somebody who didn't read it. That's not entirely wrong. <laughs> um, so if I were going to assign this a food... Um, this is, for me, it's like a, a ceviche that I like as a thing in the world and is like genuinely pretty good. It just is like lacking a little bit of the lime juice that was supposed to actually make everything entirely <laughs> edible. So there are a couple of pieces that you just need to pick up and put to the side of your plate. <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, I, I, again, like I, it's it's a good dish that's missing ingredients. Um I think that there are sort of many options for this. I, I, like, for whatever reason, either like a, a country boil or a uh, a salsa is what's coming to mind for me. So it's like a country boil that didn't get seasoned. So it's just like <laughs> shrimp and, and some like mild sausage and corn. And it's it's fine. Like they're good things, but they really needed like to be seasoned. And then they'd be really good. Or it's like a salsa that somebody was just like, well, I don't have any hot peppers, so it'll just be like chopped onions, tomatoes, and cilantro. And it's close enough. <laughs> well, it seems we're all in agreement then for what number one is. Yeah, grist for the mill. Yeah, um, grist for the mill. I, I mean, I... Far and away the winner, it yeah. seems. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I liked it. I... I, I I wouldn't actually say it's necessarily the best written, just in terms of prose, compared to some of the options we've seen. But as an overall package, as both you know, a story and the writing, in terms of just my overall feeling with it, the fact that I honestly liked it is a note in its favor. I, I think it's it is mm-hmm. it is successful in a way that a lot of these other stories are. I think the prose was the most consistent through the story. I think yeah, that... it's functional. Well, yes, but I think that like um, better days and. Um, the last word have great prose and bad prose mm. and yeah. grist for the mill is good all the way through and it doesn't go really bad or really good mm-hmm. it's just it's fine um, again my biggest problem with it is a grist of bees um, <laughs> let it go BJ <laughs> no uh and, it, you know, to me, this is the one that, like, hit, and we talked about this during the episode on it, but it hit the most marks of a cozy mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways, like, 
this is this is the best we have for the genre we thought we were going to be reading, which has very much been part of what recommends it right. to mm-hmm. me. Um, it just... I also, like, legitimately find the fact that we are in, like, a beekeeping setting charming. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, it, like, it's charming, and again, it sort of follows into the problem of Better Days is the only one that almost had a mystery in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's a it's a complete story with believable characters in like that cozy mystery setting. And so like, it takes a lot of good marks. I I also appreciate it's both it's setting and it's pettiness that are attached into it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the kind of rural church setting. And I appreciate that it is about neighbors that are willing to murder each other over over essentially a boundary dispute. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I I like that. I like that. It's both an element of realism and also an element of surrealism brought into there too, Uh, or at least, Mm-hmm. Maybe a, a, a almost a hyperbolic realism. How about that? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I there's a lot about the story to like. I would still probably only give it like a B in terms of just overall ratings, or even a B minus. But it still it still works. I think for what it is, it's yeah. a B plus. <laughs> oh, sure, yes. <laughs> Man, I really didn't even mean a pun when I said B. Okay, I, I know you didn't, and it's great that you just walked yourself into it. Well, if you were to, if everyone were to describe this as a dish, what would it be? Um, I'm going to go um, off piste and say um, it's a brownie with the nuts inside, so nobody knows about them until you get into it. But it's a little like it's not it's not that great gooey brownie. It's a little dry. It's a little you know too much chocolate, so it's a bit more cloying than you want. But overall, it's pretty good. Mm. But there are those nuts in there that you don't tell anybody about. <laughs> Until it's too late. <laughs> I yeah, I'm kind of struggling with this one because I actually like I want I want to do something honey related, but I actually think it it's sort of like just a spoonful of honey sort of works. Because like it's good for what it is, although you kind of want it to be more kind of kind of want it to be like longer and more, but you're also a little worried that if it were longer and more, it would make you sick. Hmm. For me, this wins my ham sandwich award. I like to give out like a ham sandwich or a meat and potatoes <laughs> award every time we do this. Yeah, you do. This, this gets the ham sandwich, where it it is a perfectly functional story. It's kind of just what I wanted. I wanted a ham sandwich. I got a ham sandwich. Doesn't offer much more than that. There's no real frills. No no real est- effort at custom tailoring. But honestly, they might take away from just the you know the particular appeal of a ham sandwich. This is the, uh, when I was at University of Illinois, every so often, Jimmy John's would come around with, like, quarter sandwiches and give them out for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, a great little snack, but you don't really want that when you actually order food. So it was, like, the perfect thing for, for the time and place. That makes sense. Okay. So this is the third group of award nominees and winners we have done yes and the most disappointing we've done the hugo (laughs) the nebula yes and now the agatha high hopes high hopes for the agatha award none of those were met yeah nevertheless um why do you why do we think that the quality is so like i would i would say that the quality of these stories is objectively as much as in the hugo and the nebula we had stories that we vehemently sometimes disliked I would say that the quality over all of these stories is worse. So I think one of the things to like look at where the stories are being drawn from and like who's doing the drawing. And so I wonder if some of the older ones might be a little bit better. 
Um, mm-hmm. So Better Days was drawn... Like in, in older years of the Possibly. Award. I'm just looking at like where okay. they're from. But mm-hmm. um, Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine is a mystery magazine that's been around for like 70 years. Oh, wow. So like stories that are published in there may not be the best, may not be the worst, are, are probably not going to be the worst, but are probably going to be at least reasonably okay. Like, yeah, there are going to be some stinkers, mm-hmm. but like to get in there, like th- there's probably a bar to get in there. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Wildside Press is the group that gives out the <laughs> Agatha Award. Um, mm-hmm. And so for them to be draw- drawing from their own stuff, um, it's Malice Domestic, sorry. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it seems a little bit uh, incestuous. And, and so maybe that's <laughs> why we're getting like mm-hmm. a very mediocre uh, group of, of short stories. So Malice Domestic 14 is where we got two of them. Um, it's put out by Wildside Press. Anyway, so I wonder if that's one of the reasons where you can just sort of throw out um, compilations of short stories. And so if you're pulling from those, like, what are you really getting? Um, as yeah. opposed to like published serials that have a history that are being chose from, chosen from essentially by a well-established society. So with the mm-hmm. Nebula and Hugo, we're getting a fairly large, well-established society of people that presumably like to read these stories as opposed to God only knows what with Malice Domestic. It definitely seems like there is a small, either a smaller scope of a group or a different, or a different focus of purpose that goes into this than we saw previously with the Hugo and the Nebula. Of where mm-hmm. This almost feels like we've stumbled into an insular community that is just talking to each other. Or, mm. or is also just using this as an opportunity for marketing of their own work, rather than necessarily a what feels to be a broader community that is actually assessing a genre. Um, and I think that reflects what we ultimately get. Or if it's just people that are talking with each other, that are just giving awards back and forth to each other, you don't seem like you have as much of a outsider view or much more as, as rounding an opportunity of opinions as you would otherwise get. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, I'm with you. I found this in particular just very disappointing because I love this genre. <laughs> I ad- yeah. I adore it. This is my favorite things reading growing up with these little kind of cozy mysteries. I mean, between mm-hmm. Agatha Christie, of course, or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, or countless other examples, I devoured these as a kid. They were great. And I had so much expectations of what that would be and the structure of these stories because the structure of these stories is very classic and it's very much... Uh, it's supposed to be formulaic like that's part of the reason they're comfortable that's part of the fun i'm trying to get the ham sandwich and nobody here was giving Mm -hmm. me a ham sandwich um um yeah and it you know it was particularly confusing to me because there are so many people who are writing effectively in the genre mm -hmm. like contemporary authors who are effectively writing in the genre Mm -hmm. that all of these stories were lackluster something clearly is going on with the award itself it raises the question we had at first about to what degree can a mystery short story work? Yes. So I don't have an answer to that question yet because I don't think we've really found mm-hmm. a, a, a very firm example of it. I mean, even Grist for the Mill, I'd struggle to necessarily say fits perfectly into what I was expecting to get out of this. It, it, mm-hmm. it still works mm-hmm. as itself and it's still setting up the mystery, but I'm really left to ponder having, after having five examples of this about whether a mystery short story can work or not. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, you know, we are... Well, we know that mystery short are... stories can work. Do we? <laughs> yes. What's an example? Uh, all of the short stories that Agatha Christie wrote. That, that, that's one of the things I was going to say, is that she did not mm-hmm. write many short stories that yeah. I'm read. Like, she wrote long short stories or novellas. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to get poo-pooed on this, but um, Asimov, I think, has a lot of really good short mystery stories. And they're not they're not all super short. I mean, I get that, like, the blurred line between short story and novellas, like, being flirted with, but he has... Um, uh, the Black Widow Society, I think. I've heard of that. Um, yeah, I think from me. Um, and I <laughs> may possible. have those books, and I may not. And <laughs> if I do, you're welcome to borrow them. Um, <laughs> you, you and your Schrodinger's books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they may eventually arrive. Well, I need to unpack my books is really what it is. And at some point, I will have shelves put up to do so. Anyway, um, but I think that there are effective ways to do it. Um, but it's tough to really have a fair mystery in a short story um and i think it needs to be presented in a way that short stories usually aren't where like you know going in that it's a mystery like you have a well-known detective or something like that that's popping in so you know like at the outset what's going on rather than you're sort of being introduced to all of the things that make up a mystery Yeah, that was, I was going to mention the idea that like, okay, these types of mysteries, because, because a cozy mystery relies so much on your familiarity with the genre and expectations and things like that, the doing them in short stories would really benefit from, as you said, BJ, like having a series of them that involves the same character, right? So if you're doing a kind of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. or something like that, you have so many expectations already built into that that you can use a shorthand in the short story to get to the mystery itself instead of all of the stuff around it. Um, I'm reminded of, um, and I don't know if I can find it. It was in Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine. There's a series about, I think it's the Lollipop Cop. Um, and... They were all like relatively short stories with sort of like a, I want to say it might have even been a school officer or something like that. It was something where it was like, it was never like a, as in my memory at least, it was never like a serious crime, mm-hmm. but it was something mm-hmm. like, it was a little mystery that, you know, this cop solved. Um, so I don't know, Spencer, what do you think? Uh, about, about what do you mean? How well about how a mystery can work in a short story? Yeah. I mean, we saw some examples of apparently how certain people believe it is. It's that you don't just don't tell the full mystery. You'd almost just leave it for the leave it for the reader to fill in the gaps around it. You just focus on a particular aspect of the mystery. I think that's what most of these honestly did. Is mm-hmm. that they Christopher Mill set up effectively what would be almost like the preliminary to the mystery for the cozy detective to then solve. And the last word portrayed an aspect of almost like the resolution of the mystery, but just told from the perspective of it happening rather than after the fact. Um, That's a way you could do it. Um, I don't know that we all found that perfectly satisfying, though. It's It it, it gets into almost just like, I think you described it as incestuous. It seems almost that for this kind of mystery short story thing, at least for Malice Domestic, they've what they want is what they're getting, and we as outsiders stepping in find it rather foreign and unsatisfying. Yeah, I think, I think that's a that's a good, 
I think that's a good point. It was interesting in these stories to see the strategies that these authors were using to try to get at the mystery in this compressed mm-hmm. space. I mean, they all did it differently. And like that that range, that range was actually kind of interesting and thought-provoking to look at. Sure. And these are a varied, these are a pretty varied collection of stories. It's hard mm-hmm. to say these are all the same note or the same structure, whatever else. They're really pretty diverse. And that was interesting. I don't, as much as I ultimately found this collection to be unsatisfying, I think I might give the overall collection like a C minus. Um, mm-hmm. It was still interesting, and I still appreciate reading them. And it still got me into. I wouldn't call these cozy mysteries. I'd call this its own unique little genre. But it's still a genre I haven't really, or a, a subgenre. It's still a subgenre I've really explored before, and I appreciate doing it. I just can't say I'll be back anytime soon. Yeah, but to get. <laughs> The real cozy mystery, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> we are returning to the Grand Dame herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so we are, as we mentioned on the last podcast, I believe, we are going to do um, a little Agatha Christie herself palette cleanser. Um, not a short story, a novella, but close enough. We are going to do for our next episode, and then there were none. Um, before we decide what our next foray is going to be. Which, which honestly, if we're, if we're going into Cozy Mystery, I know we wanted to do Agatha Christie, because, you know, the Agatha Awards. Yes. If we really wanted to go into Cozy Mystery, and then there were none, if you guys remember, is dark as shit. I'm, I'm yeah, all it about it. It scared the bejesus out of me as a, as a kid. I, I'm, I'm still... <laughs> I'm a little nervous to go back into it, quite honestly. I'm all about it, but to say it's, it, it, it pushes the line of a Cozy Mystery, which even, you know... Even yeah. her editors kind of went, okay, when you make this a play, you are spinning this around in a different direction, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, we maybe should have gone with like a G.K. Chester- Chesterton <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, Miss Marple. Whatever, here we are. <laughs> we're, we're here. We're excited. It's going to be fun. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it for next week. But does anyone have anything mm-hmm. else to add about uh, this particular compilation? Or have we kind of mined all that it has? I think we've mined all of it, but if you want anything else, you can find all of our content on MangumTalks.com. Not the least of which is Mangum Talks TV, where, uh, Spencer, I hear you're doing things. Uh, In a rookery? No. No, we are not. We are not doing anything in a rookery. That is not what that word means. You are a a pun in my pun challenge. You know, we're talking about Queen's Gambit. It's a show. There we go. It's about chess. If you didn't pick up that BJ's description, so we're having fun talking about it. I'm not having fun with BJ's puns, though. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's our other main podcast on the channel. Um, and we have a bunch of other things uh, and hopefully a lot more content coming about soon. Um, the sort of re reimagining of our Whiskey on the Wednesdays to a little bit more shared experiences um with the with more of our cast and crew should be coming out soon as well as our podcast and with a, a podcast pottering around where we're going through sarah's favorite of the series um something about a mm-hmm. goblet and fire um it is also turning out to be mine and spencer's favorite sure. i believe though i am talking a little bit out of place for him um and uh yeah so it's all all fun games and if you have any uh questions or comments you can click contact us in the upper right hand corner um or go to our facebook page which is uh mangum reads and uh yeah we're looking out for new stuff to do after our grand dame herself agatha christie so if you have any things that you think we should do uh let us know and with that as usual it's been fun y'all bye guys (laughs) 